Hello and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center's Victoria's Living Podcast. Victoria's Living Christian Center is a church that strives to stand for goodness and is committed to encourage and show a better way. A church whose vision is to see God's people living a victorious life. This is accomplished through community outreach, education, healthy living, and support groups while still providing spiritual growth. Our goal is to meet the needs of man, spiritually as well as naturally. So welcome and enjoy. Good evening and welcome to Victoria's Living Christian Center Gospel Bible Chat Room. This is Pastor Ruth Gardner. We are starting um, our series on tonight as we continue on our 12-week series of 12 most inspiring biblical leadership lessons <laughs> from biblical characters. <laughs> I'm going to get that thing together. Probably on week 12, I'll probably get it right. 12 most in inspiring uh, leadership lessons from biblical characters, and it is being led by our very own prophetess, Patrice Myrick. And so at this time, we're gonna open up with a word of prayer and the next voice you will hear is our very own dear sister. So let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord God, for watching over us and keeping us. Father, we thank you for this gathering as we come together to learn more of you, to get a deeper understanding, to get a deeper revelation of your word. Father, what you are speaking and saying in this time and in this season. Father, we pray, oh God, that our ears would be open, our hearts would be open to receive. Father, we pray that you would touch our dear sister, Prophet Patrice, on tonight as she leads us. Father, in this, this lesson on tonight, Father, we pray that you use her for your glory. Father, get the glory out of her life. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would touch her mind, touch her heart. Father, touch her spirit. Father, we take away all uh, nervousness. Father, we, we speak clarity of thought, clarity of speech. We come against every distraction in the name of Jesus. Father, we want you to have full course on tonight. Use your chosen vessel on tonight. And we will forever give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, prophetess. Amen. Good evening, everyone. Good evening, everyone. Today we are Ooh, we're looking at our dear friend, a leader by the name of Moses. And in the Hebrew, his name is Moish, M-O-S-H-E, Moish in Hebrew. Um, today, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to listen to the, uh, the Bible experience starting. We're going to go two chapters, um, Exodus chapter one through chapter three. And I ask that if you have an NIV version of your Bible to please get out so you can follow along. And we're starting in the beginning because I want us to hear the birth of Moses and then the reason for the call. And basically, we're talking about Moses defends his people. However, he had to answer the call first. And so I think it's very paramount because most leaders or someone called to ministry is called, called by God, um, called by God. Let's say that again, called by God. Amen. So we're going to go into Exodus chapter one. I'm going to break out my screen and then we're going to listen to Exodus chapter one all the way through Exodus chapter three. Um, very intriguing story. It's a lot to cover, but to God be the glory for his life and that his life was a witness to us in reference to leadership, the calling of God and then how God uses him and how God uses imperfect people. Amen. All right. So I need to fade out. My video, here we go. Sorry, I keep hitting the button. These are the names of the 
sons of Israel who went to Egypt with Jacob, each with his family, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The descendants of Jacob numbered 70 in all. Joseph was already in Egypt. Now Joseph and all his brothers and all that generation died. But the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come. We must deal shrewdly with them or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. So they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor. And they built Python and Ramesses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields. In all their harsh labor, the Egyptians used them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shifra and Pua, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. Now a man of the house of Levi married a Levite woman. And she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. And the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this baby and nurse him for me, and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. When the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses, saying, I drew him out of the water. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one who wronged, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Were you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, 
what I did after they come. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. Where is he? He asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Yes. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom. Say, I become a foreigner in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groan, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go Strange sight. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am, do not come. God said, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned. So I have come down to rescue them from Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached them. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, What is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, 
the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of this world will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go, and I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people, so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold. <coughs> And for clothes, which you will put on your sons and daughters, <laughs> and so you will plunder the Egyptians. Moses answered, There you go. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh, there you go. Like, what happened to the people? <laughs> I'm sorry. Amen. Thank you guys for being patient. Mm -hmm. Go back to my video. I'm praying in my little. Uh oh. Oh, so now you want to act crazy? Okay. Y'all can see me good. Okay. Ooh, could y'all hear all of that? Yes. Oh, yes. amazing. I'm sorry. What'd you say? It came out good and clear. It was a little, you know, the music kind of like faded in and out, but the but the voice you heard. And I was following along with the Bible too, so. Amen, amen. And the reason, um, I'm sorry, who was that? I'm sorry, this is for Royale, since she came in a little late. The, we listened to uh, Exodus chapter one through chapter three. Amen. So the purpose of going back to the beginning is I wanted, I wanted us to actually hear the his entire the, the beginning of his story before the call because a lot of times people think about the call but they never think about the the um the things that happened before the call what makes a person a person and so when we look at his story we see that you know we know that um he's called for purpose and we see why god has called him because the egyptians have just basically plundered the people and the interesting part is that no matter what they did they just kept reproducing even under the stress of life they kept reproducing and it goes back to the promise of abraham when he talked about you know the grains of sin on the beach and how many people there would be and then how the the kingdom of israel would be so large and even when the the the, the pharaoh was trying to stop the the baby boys from surviving even had the midwives try to kill them and the midwives were, were afraid of God and said, you know, basically said like, uh, they have the baby too fast. We can't, you know, by the time we get there, the babies are already here, you know, because it's like, we don't want the, that blood on our hands because of their belief in God. And so Pharaoh then decides to do decree about the, the baby boys being thrown into the Nile. Um, and we see how God's plan for Moses that even though Pharaoh was trying to kill him and to destroy him, that, that God had a plan that placed him, 
placed him right down the river, right when um, Pharaoh's sister was going to take her bath and, and he was found. And I thought the, the most interesting part was, it's like, we found this baby. Now go get the mother so she can nurse the baby and then bring the baby back when he's done nursing. I thought that was kind of interesting. He goes, well, I will pay you. Um, but the, when I looked at it, the mindset was that that the Israelite woman knew, Moses' mom knew that she could not keep her son because he would die. So that means if he were to live, then, you know, okay, well, he's going to be with Pharaoh's sister. But what's so powerful about this that that when we talk about nature versus nurture, that sometimes when children are adopted, you see, or you foster children and you, you, know, you think that you're, um, we try to get them the best of their um, the best environment, you know, as far as growing up and everything. But but on the inside, there's still something that comes from nature. And that even though Moses grew up in Pharaoh's home, that when he went out and he saw that his people, his people were being abused, he couldn't handle it. And so then the nature of him comes forth that he defends his nature. He defends the nature of his people that he ended up killing. He ended up killing the um, the Egyptian who was beating up on the um, the Hebrew slave, and so he knows that he's got to get out of town now because someone said you know that he was seen. So he had to leave and he fled. And so it's interesting that he goes from situation to situation, and every time he goes to where God gives him grace to where he goes and he provides for him. So now he's he's running out, you know, into the wilderness. But then when he lands, um, and when he goes to Midian. And he just happened to be sitting by the well. And, and so he's sitting by water. He's sitting by something that's going to, re, that's going to um, keep him strong to pleasure him in the desert. And the seven daughters come and they, and they help, he helps them get their water and the father invites them in. And so, so from that, then, you know, Jethro gives, um, gives up his, um, the daughters of Porah. And so now then their baby was born. But the interesting part is that while, when he was out working, he wasn't just sitting there waiting for things to happen. And sometimes people, you know, they're waiting for this to happen, waiting for that. But when God called Moses, he was working. He was working. He was working the field. And that's so interesting because a lot of times people want to, they want to pray and then they want to wait. They don't want to work while they wait. They just want to wait and wait for God to do something. But God is saying that you have to work while we wait. So he's working and God calls him. He sees the burning bush, and, and, and that, that is so profound. And I know we've all seen the Ten Commandments, but I wanted to talk about that call because all of us, whether you know you call you have a title or not, and you're in the kingdom, God called you. And a lot of times, you know, He's come from you know, called some pastors, called teachers, what have you, but anyone who is saved has been called. And we need to not negate that, that every same person was called by God, was chosen. And so God is choosing Moses to do the work, to do his work, because he's saying that he's seen the struggle of his people. He's seen the struggle, but he's going to go back and remember the covenant that he made with the sons of Israel. And so as he sees his burning bush, he sees his bush burning, but it's not consumed. So he goes closer. And then the interesting part is that when God calls him Moses, Moses, he didn't say, oh, my goodness. He just said, here am I. And it just sounded so plain and so simple. So even though Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house, he recognized the voice of God. He wasn't afraid. He just said, here am I. He didn't say, who is it? Where are you? You know, the angel came to him. But the struggle in the assignment that God chose for Moses <clears throat> is that Moses had a little pushback on the call. We know later on, he you know, kept giving excuses about you know, his stuttering and God gave him help, gave him a help, uh, gave him Aaron to help him. But in the beginning, he kept saying, well, what if this and what if that and what if this? And this is what we do when God calls us, because we never feel like we're worthy 
to be called by God or someone in our past told us we weren't good enough to be called by God and we didn't have purpose. But isn't it befitting that, that when we go through life and the struggles that the more struggle you have, the more witness you have, the more testimony you have, and the more power you have to do the work of the Lord. And so we see him answering him and God and having a conversation and he's going back. But, but God tells him exactly what to do what to say, and then he tells them what's going to happen, because he tells them that Pharaoh is not going to let you go. But then when he sees my mighty hand, that's when he's going to let you go. But the power of um, Moses in reference to the call, um, it seems simple, but it seems divine. It's something out of the ordinary that you would see a bush that's burning, a bush that's on fire that's not burning, that the call was so great. Um, and, and, and so he was at the, at, at the mountain of God. And that's the same place he had to go back to um, when he went to speak to God for the 40 days when he actually um, gave him the Ten Commandments. Um, but his struggle um, in leadership in reference to, um, if you remember that he first talked about, what about the Israelites? How are they going to believe me? If they say, if I tell them you're God, who do I say that you are? He knew that he was going to have some issues with his own people and believe in what he was called to do. And that's interesting because when we look at the call of God in our life, dealing with our own people, our families, our friends, that sometimes they don't believe what's going on or they want to know well, what's going on. How do you know that? that if he told the story about this, this bush that was on fire, would they actually believe him? At the end of the day, he's telling him what God told him to say. And so eventually he's struggling with his people and now he's got to struggle with Pharaoh. And so he has this, he has this, uh, as this little defect, he says, you know, a stutter and that he can't really speak. So he uses, so God uses Aaron to go with him to be his voice. And regardless of what you say, what I called you to do will get done through you. Y'all hear that? No matter what you try to make an excuse that you can't do or what you are not called to do, God has called you and he will get it done through you, regardless of what you say about you. So amen. God, amen. So, so God sees more in us than we do ourselves. God, God sees more in us than we do ourselves. Pastor Ruth, I'm sorry, go ahead and say what you got to say. I know it's something coming out of there. I know it. I'm just going to say amen, daughter. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead, finish. Okay. <laughs> so, it's, so it's God calls Moses to do the work. We have to remember that all of our callings, whether it be title, no title, is called to solve a problem. It's the call... And we're called to do a work of the Lord, not of ourselves, but of the Lord. And in and, 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 and the last couple of stories, we've seen that the conversations between man and God or the leaders and God have always given instructions. And sometimes, and I say it all the time, we don't want to hear all the instructions. He had a specific conversation. He told him what to do, what to say. And then he told him what was going to happen. A lot of times in our conversations with God, he doesn't tell us what's going to happen, but we know we want to know. And sometimes he doesn't give us the whole story. We just have to keep moving by faith as we move along, trusting him, knowing that what he said will come to pass. And none of us feel worthy to be used. None of us feel worthy to be called. However, because we're looking at our past, we're comparing our past. And if we look at Moses and he passed, he was a murderer. Okay. He wasn't, he, you know, even though he was born a Hebrew, he, he was, he was raised by Egyptians, but, but that nature versus nurture, the nature took over the nurturing part of him because he saw that, that, that the people that he felt close to were being harmed. And that, therefore, he defended them, but he actually murdered someone. So that even though that his past of being found in the Nile, living in the house with Pharaoh, being raised by Pharaoh, you know, uh, defending the Hebrew, being a murderer, running out, um, out to the wilderness to Midian, but he found his peace. He found his peace because he was able to be out there tending the flock 
so he could hear the voice of God. He God showed him something and it called his attention. And once God saw him, saw him go towards the burning, the, the burning bush, then God spoke to him. What is it that God has called us to do or how the calling of God got our attention? Some of us, it had to be, you know, going through some hard times. It had to be something. But at the end of the day, there's something pivotal about the call of God on our lives that we can remember. It is distinctive. It is strong. It is sure. And sometimes it's unbelievable to other people. However, we know that when that call is on our life, it's so strong that you can't, you can't run away. I mean, he ran before the call, but sometimes we try to run after the call and we try to push back on the call. But leaders, all leaders, all people of God who are saved by God are called. And that sometimes we don't believe that leaders can resist the call of God. We've all resisted. We all, like what I said before, don't think we're good enough to be called. We don't think we're good enough to accomplish the work of God. And we, you know, we think of things in the way, whether it be finances, whether it be buildings, whether whatever it may be, that we try to make an excuse. But God gives us the instructions on what to do and how to do it. It just sometimes it seems bigger than us. Of course, it's bigger than us because he's doing it. He's. We think because he called us, then we got to do it by ourselves. If he called you, he's going to be with you. He told Moses, I will be with you. He told Joshua, I will be with you. Do not be afraid. I will be with you. And we look at Noah, even though Noah was ridiculed and laughed about, he still built that ark. He looked stupid doing it, but he did it. And so the instructions of God are, are sometimes cloudy, sometimes gray, and then sometimes it's right in your face. And I think that we struggle with the gray area. And then sometimes the, what the, what's right in your face seems harder because now you got to come, you got to come into alignment with what God said. You have to come into agreement. Now you cannot, you don't want to agree. If you don't have to, you don't have to agree because it's free will. However, it's going to be a hard struggle. It's going to be a fight. And so we want to be obedient to what he's saying, even though it may seem difficult, even though it seems bigger than us. I mean, I'm standing, I'm sitting here, Zoom call, and this is bigger than me. However, this is what I was called to do in this season. So I have to do it, do it afraid, do it sweating, however I have to do it, I still have to do it. But when we look at leadership also, when we look at Moses, that Moses he led even with opposition from the inside that some people who are called the pastor or they might be, you know, the, um, the church, you know, they, you know, they're vetting pastors or what have you. And they pick a pastor and, and, and the pastor comes, he wants to be a part of the congregation and he wants to change some things. And the people are like, uh-uh, we've been doing this for 45 years. We're not going stop so leaders have to understand they're going to face this issue from the inside that even if the pastor even though god gives the pastor a vision it's up to the pastor to fulfill the vision of god that god gave him or her but don't think there's going to be there's not going to be opposition to that and so that we have to we still have to lead with grace as you continue to understand this opposition and how do you handle the opposition, you have to handle the opposition with love and grace because people have to get used to the new thing, get used to the new vision, get used to you being the new leader. Moses, uh, the Hebrew people, Moses had been gone a while. All of a sudden, you're our leader? How did you become our leader? And even after it was fulfilled and, you know, the, the plague the play comes and he goes back to Pharaoh, goes back to Pharaoh, the plague comes and he eventually leave and they leave with the, with the plunder of the Egyptians. Just like God said, they get out there and now they're like, we're hungry. We have no food. We, and then they get to the mountain of God. And the opposition from the inside starts complaining because he's got to go talk to God. He has to go away to talk to God. And so for 40 days, they couldn't handle it. They started acting like fools. Aaron, all of a sudden, his right-hand man is making this calf of gold, and they're worshiping the calf. Because what was in them still hadn't come out of them. 
And that even though the location changed, the behavior was still the same. And it's the same way with us that even though that we may have uh, said yes to God, um, but some of our behaviors have not changed. What I mean by behaviors, I'm not talking about drinking and smoking. I'm talking about the behaviors and the things that are inside of you that you have not let go of yet. The unforgiveness of yourself, the unforgiveness of family, what happened to you, who did what to you, some of the things that made you think the way you think or think less than yourself. Those are the things I'm talking about, the stuff that has to fall off. And then those 40 days um, when they were out there partying and, and, and acting fool, uh, foolish, that even though they were out of Egypt, they were still acting like they were in Egypt. And now all of a sudden they're not trusting Moses who said who they followed out of Egypt. Now all of a sudden they don't trust the man of God. So the leaders, is going, leaders are going to face oppos opposition. So when Moses comes down from the, the mountain, Mount Hebron, the, the, the mountain of God, now he has to hold the followers accountable because he comes out with the two tablets and he cannot believe what he sees and he breaks them. Some died, he lost it. He's holding them accountable because the same man that struggled who said, I can't do it, I stutter, I don't know how, what do I say? This same man who they follow out of Egypt, who listened and what he said came to pass, all of a sudden has no credibility because they forgot that they were free. And because they were in bondage for so long, they are still acting like they were in bondage. Hence, 2021, some of us in the African-American community are still acting like we're slaves from 1619. But the leader it has to hold the followers accountable for their wrongdoing, for what uh, the way they live their lives. And, and this is why uh, sermons are preached on, you know, how to be a, a, a better child of God and, and how to, uh, to be a witness and how to live. Because there's things in us that happen to us that have to fall off. That's how we grow. We might have... As children, our first prayer, I, now I lay me down to sleep. Then we graduate to the Lord's Prayer. But then as we got older and we started having a relationship with God, our prayers became more distinct, became um, more about the pleading. And then, the, and then as we grew more, then we became intercessors. And so that we grow through leadership, but also understand that leadership it's not perfect. Leadership is, is, is fallible just like we are. Leaders are human beings with stories just like us. And then we follow the leader. We have to trust the God in the leader. They trusted the God in Moses enough to do what he said, to pack up everything. And if you remember the chicken members, they were all happy. They were singing. They had, I mean, the cows, the kids, everybody was gone. But when they got out to the wilderness and it got hard, all of a sudden, they forgot who Moses was, and they forgot the promise of God that they got out. But now they missed the luxuries of being in bondage. So they thought it was like they missed the food, and God gave them manna, and, and, and he fed them, but it still wasn't enough. They still complained. But one of the most important things, I think, for Moses' story dealing with the people Moses wasn't afraid to mentor, that a good leader has to mentor people. You can't think that you're going to stay in office or stay in position long enough that you're just going to never die. That who are you raising up beside you to do what you do? Who are you, who are you pouring into? The, someone that you're leading, who are you pouring into? That, that, that can come alongside you. If something happens or you get sick, that can step right in and just, and just do what you, just do it. That we cannot be, feel so important that we, that, that, we are, that we can't mentor people that I don't want to give you what I have. And so many leaders and so many people in church don't want to do it. And it's crazy because maybe they think that the person you know, maybe more gifted. I don't know. Maybe they're considered a threat. But how was your ego so big that God called you 
and don't think that God has called someone else for you to mentor in the position that you're in, come alongside you to help. Right. And so that mentorship is important. And then sometimes the leader forgets that they may not carry, they may not be able to carry their vision through the completion. The vision that God gave Moses to the land of milk and honey, he never saw. He told him all that, but he did not see that. But his mentor did. And the generations that came out of Egypt had to die off because the stuff that was in them wasn't going anywhere. Mm. They were hard-headed. They could not, they could not conform. They was out there, you know, they were being beaten. They had to make bricks out of straw and with no water and none of no mud. And all they had to do, they still missed it. Mm. And so before they entered the land of milk and honey, those generations had to die off. And so Joshua takes them in. And, jo- and God tells them, we'll learn about this next week, that God tells Joshua, don't be afraid. Because God, Joshua's like, oh my God, Moses is not here. What do I do? But he got to see Moses in his good days, his bad days. He got to see the decisions that he made. He got to see Moses pray. He got to uh, hear the vision that God gave Moses. And so he walked with him. And not only that, he got to see the crazy people who he had to deal with. Even though those generations died off, there were some generations that were still coming. Mm-hmm. And that even though the Israelites were begging for freedom, that when they got the freedom, they still weren't happy because it was a land they knew not of. I'd rather be with the devil than I know mm. than to be free. And so, and so we look at the leadership of Moses and, and just his story and how he was so humble because he didn't feel worthy. And a lot of times leaders take position and they get called and they, and he was raised to be the leader. He didn't get, he didn't get, you know, he didn't, he wore his sandals and God gave him a staff. That's all he had. He didn't have the armor bearer carrying everything for him. Yeah, he had Aaron with him, but he had nobody caring. Aaron was helping him deal with the people and the attitudes. But he didn't use Aaron as an errand boy. He didn't have an entourage. That's right, he didn't. But what I love about Moses that his struggle to answer the call Mm -hmm. and how important it is that even when he said, here I am, he was still like, "Uh, no, I can't do that, Uh, no. But God raised, and we look back, and we look back and read just so we see how God raised him up to do just what He asked him to do. Mm-hmm. That He had enough heart, enough love for His people that He committed murder because of how His people were being treated. Even though He had seen it, even though He was inside, I can't imagine as a boy growing up seeing this over and over again. Eventually, He became a grown man; He couldn't take it anymore. That even though He was nurtured in the Pharaoh's home, his nature took over his spirit because that's who he really was. Amen. Okay, that's what I got for today, y'all. I know we could go on and on and on about Moses and his leadership, his leadership strategies, Mm -hmm. but I just thought it was so important to hear his life, how he was born, what he went through, his struggle, and then it, even in his fleeing to the mountains and to the wilderness to Midian, that God put him in a place at the mountain of God. Mm. He ran and he was able to be at the mountain of God so he could hear God call him and God speak to him and God give him his instructions for the calling that was on his life. Amen. 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 I have a couple things. One thing I noticed um, that we were reading um, in the lesson that kind of stuck out was the, the, the midwives. When you had mentioned about the midwives said uh, what they were saying, and the Bible says, because they feared God, 
the Lord blessed them with their own children. That's I right. That's right. Awesome. When you fear God, mm -hmm. the Lord, there's a blessing just even in that, just even in honoring God. That's right. But um, there was something else you had pointed out too about Moses. And I got so absorbed with the last thing you said that I was, I was trying to hold a pen in it and I was going to say something when you got done, but you kept going on and was saying so many sorry. But I forgot it now, but it was sorry. Me, but that was good. It was really, really good. Does anyone have anything else they want to say? I see Pastor Marquise had joined us. Praise the Lord, Pastor. Um, if you want to uh, expound or say something or the floor is open to anyone at this point. I wanted to, I had to write it down because it was so much, but you said something kind of towards in the beginning um, that when Moses was called or when Moses finally got his promotion, he was working. And I sat here and I was thinking about, he was, he was working, you know, before he was, you know, put in, put into position. I just thought about, you know, how many believers sometimes wait to mm -hmm. get put in a certain position and they're not working. Like they don't, they don't want to do or be on the usher board. They don't want to do the missionary thing. They don't want to do any of those things perceived to be lower level positions because they right. want the title of elder minister, whatever, whatever, right. a bigger title than, than being an usher or cleaning the bathrooms. And it made me think about David, you know, David was just the shepherd boy, but what David was doing in the field prepared him for kingship. And same thing with Moses, like he, you know, God was preparing him for what he, what position, you know, to be the leader of his people, you know, and what better way to do that than to know the ins and outs of Pharaoh's kingdom. Like he knows, you know, he knew Pharaoh, he knew how they roll. He saw into the enemy's camp. He was able right. to get insight of the enemy's camp because he knew that one day he would be in direct opposition. So it was like, you know, you never want to despite despise, you know, those little small positions because you're in those positions to work and to learn. It's not that you're in those positions for naught. You're there to, to learn, to glean and to apply once God does promote you or if he chooses to put you whatever call, whatever ministry that, you know, is greater than where you are now, those lower level ministries are, or those perceived lower level uh, ministries or positions are to prepare you for your final, for, you know, final thing. Yeah, that's yeah, all. Amen. amen, and while you said that when he was working, and, and so the history prepared him because he was in the enemy's camp, but when God called him, he was tending what? He was tending the flock. So he was already learning how to tend to flock. He was already learning how to be that leader of people. Yep. yep. Leader of the flock. That was amazing. Thank you, Joya. That was a good point. Good point. I still can't remember what I was going to say. I, I'm trying to think of my rattle my head. <laughs> yeah, that, that's why I wrote mine down because I was like, I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Right. She was saying so much, and I was like, "Ooh, well, that's a good point." Ooh, that's good. And then it was something I can't remember, and she kept going, and I said, "Oh, oh, Lord, I'm sorry." No, no, no. It was very good, very, very good. It had some good points, but yeah, my mind was down. <laughs> you do. You say a lot and share a lot, and there's a lot of like you can get out of it. Um, something about that bush. He said something about the burning bush. I don't know. Anyone about else? The, about the burning bush. Yeah, you, I, it was something you had pointed out. Somewhere about the time you was talking about the burning bush. I think it was right before you were saying something about the burning bush. And then you brought the burning bush. And then that, that kind of caught my attention. And then you kept going on and saying other things. And I said, you know, I forgot it. But it's okay. Well, how God brought him to the place where he can get his attention? Is that what I don't know. Since, since I don't know, <laughs> and make nothing up. But I, all I know is I forgot. I was going. To, I was going, to, and I forgot. <laughs> but, but his story, his story is so good, though, in reference even with um, the mentorship. I thought was so important because it's hard to find 
Um, sometimes if you're new in ministry, you're newly called and you want to find a mentor, that's a hard thing to do. People don't want to mentor people. They don't have time. Um, and I believe that they think that, well, in some cases or that I've seen that, that they don't want to pour into other people that's beneath them. I don't know if anyone else had that struggle, but I know that um, trying to find a mentor um, when you're new to ministry, you're newly called, especially a woman, um, it's really hard to, to find someone to just to glean from that, saying you're trying to take their title or take their positions, but you want to hear the stories. Of, you know, So that's why most people who are newly called, they just read a bunch of books because um, it's hard and it's hard to find one that's sincere, that's really going to pour into you, um, tell you the do's and don'ts, the ins and outs, the yay, the names, you know. Um, and so even as a pastor, um, it's important that you're willing to mentor the people that you're in charge of um, because you have to teach them. It's your job. Their soul is in your hands. It's your, they're your responsibility. Um, and so it makes sense to mentor them in the right way as opposed to just letting them go any kind of way and you just going about your business. And then, you know, you have to be, you're accountable for them. Yes. You're accountable for them. And that's very important. And that's a heavy weight. And people think just because you got a title of pastor, oh, that's just, you know, that's a, a, a name, a title of prestige, but it's a title of responsibility. Yes. And hard labor. That's right. That's right. You up in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. literally up praying for people. And solving problems and solving issues and dealing with people and counseling people and right. you're doing all of that, but you have to have the love of the people. Yes. My God. The love of the people. My God. And that's really important. Yes. I agree. My God. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor John, you good? What did he say? I don't know. What did you say, Pastor John? Yes, I was good. I said, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Why do you sound so far away? What are you doing? I'm in my office. Oh, it's not. You're so far away. But yeah, uh, but yeah, it was very good. The lesson was very, very good. I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> Excuse anyone, me. Anyone has anything to say? Any questions about Moses or anything that, um, prophets had pointed out that you kind of want more of a clarification on or for those of you who joined in late we were we um she went over exodus chapters one through three and talked about you know of course you, the subject is on moses for tonight and that's why i wanted us to hear it because there was so much to read but it was so different hearing hearing the story i mean i know the music seemed like it was um loud because they do have a lot of music in that um in there in reference to the words and all but it's just amazing especially when you hear god called Mo moses when you hear god called moses it just sounds so profound like you know um because we you know we see it we've seen it in the movies and i've seen it portrayed and we've read it um, but when you're reading it and you hear the voice it's just like it's just amazing he, and you can hear him gasp like <sighs> You know, he goes, here am I. Like, who is that? You know, mm -hmm. um, I thought that was so amazing because I, I probably would have ran. So uh, <laughs> I, I remember, I remember, I remember what it was. The amazing thing about this whole thing, you talked about how Moses led them into the, um, out, out of Egypt. How you let, they, he led them to freedom. And if you remember in that one particular thing, it was about the burning bush where he said, he told him that he wanted to, to have his people, to lead his people out um, to go to, where is it? I'm going to three and God's three and 12. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Yep. He wanted them to just come out and worship him. Mm -hmm. And someone was talking, yep. I was 
listening to someone, they were talking about this and it came back to me. He said, all, he said they, all God wanted to do was for the people to come out of Egypt and worship him. Mm-hmm. They were just going to mm-hmm. go, go up there, go to the mountain and worship <clears throat> But because of their murmuring and complaining, mm-hmm. God let them stay out there for 40 years. They died off. The whole generation died off. And mm-hmm. Then Joshua took over, and and they died off in the wilderness. But all he wanted was to bring the people out to worship. Mm-hmm. How long we don't even know—a day, maybe two—and then he was gonna lead them right on into the promised land. But they started murmuring, complaining. But he told them he he told Moses when he said, "Tell Pharaoh that um, I have you have spoken, you have spoke, I have spoken, and you are to go into the wilderness for three days to worship me okay. for three days." For three days. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's all. It was only supposed to be a, a weekend, a, a, a three-day weekend. Well, well, them when they were at the mountain, the mountain of God, they act like fools. <laughs> Moses came down, like, are you kidding me right now? Like they forgot. It's like they were murmuring about what they were missing, and how they wanted to go back, and how they were hungry, and how they missed this. But they forgot about the hard part. They forgot about Being, pain. The mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. about, I remember when, remember we used to, you know, and that's some things too, that you have to be careful as, as believers too. We used to, and I, and I had to catch myself on this because we used to talk about how back in our get high drunk days, mm-hmm. remember how we used to go out and go all night long and go this, mm-hmm. and that? you know, that's the same thing that they were doing. Mm-hmm. It was like they had the same, it was like the same conversation. Like we yeah. go to so-and-so house, we be child, we be tore up, you know, and stuff like that. We need to stop talking like that because that's that mentality. You know, we can see those things, and then you wondering why you're struggling now. You haven't drank alcohol in how many years now? 20, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years, but because you brought up a conversation, now you having a struggle with well, about wanting to drink a can of beer. So you will open up and resurrect those things and wake those things up in you that God has brought you out of. So even our conversations, we got to be careful. And because they murmured and complained, they talked about, oh, I remember we had leeks and we had onions and we had all this, you know, different things over when we was in Egypt, you brought us out here to die, you know, and then they started acting crazy. Hmm. That's interesting that you said that because um, when you said having a conversation, that for you to even bring it up in that manner, remember when, yeah, because, you know, we used to do it like this, we used to do it like that. It's a matter of the heart because you're speaking as if you miss it. Yeah. Yep. And so you have to be very careful with that. You can, you can talk about things like that when you're sharing your story or you're trying to encourage someone, you know. Um, right. But, I mean, we, we talk about sometimes... Sometimes music reminds us, you know, like where we were, we used to go to this club or whatever. And and, and, and that could be all in fun because you're laughing about it. You know, back in the day now, we could barely get about the chair because our knees are cracking. And, and, you know, we laugh like that. But when you start um, start speaking as though you miss it. Those were the good old days. Right. Then it's a problem. Especially if, if, if the good old days led you to your demise, if it, if it took you to your bottom. And, you know, and the bottom line is that the bottom wasn't bad because the bottom led you to God, because God had to get you to the bottom so you can see him the same way he got to the, when he got to the bottom of the mountain, God had to get him to the wilderness, to the mountain of God, to be in the field, to be able to see him mm-hmm. and to hear him. Mm-hmm. And so that when God took us to our bottom, the only way, the only, only place to look is up. Right. You can't get lower in the bottom. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so um yeah his story is so profound to me and and just his struggles and um you know the times when he got frustrated with the people when he broke the tablet when he when he kicked the stone he struck the stone and god told him to speak to the stone and you know those kind of things because the people got on his lap they frustrated him now he didn't have like this little congregation it was a lot of people Mm-hmm. You know, and all of them have attitudes and 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 and, and thought processes and, and mindsets. And so he had to deal with a lot. The, even though this meek man who was called by God, he had a big weight on his shoulders in, in reference to carrying the people out. And he did his job. He got him out of there. 
but he could not get them. He, they got to the land of milk and honey. Those who, you know, who were born and the ones who had died off had died, but he never got to see it. All that work. And I always wondered why. I still haven't figured that one out yet. I still, you know, I talk to God about it when I read the story and it's still one of those things, um, you know, people come up with, you know, thought processes and all, but it's a wonder that was his job was his job just to lead them to it or was he supposed to go to it as well? So, you know, but you got to go back to the conversation he had when God, when God was telling him about the land of milk and honey. So, um, yeah, so it, it, it was profound. I thank you all for allowing me to share in a different way tonight because um, I was trying to figure out how to get you all to hear it because I have it in Audible and I was just like, I, 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 don't, I couldn't read it the way I was feeling it, if that makes sense. Um, those two chapters that we that I needed us to hear it in a different way. So I thank you for that and for your patience. Amen. Um, does anyone have anything they want to share or say or comment before we before we wrap it up? Amen. We thank God for you, Prophetess Patrice. It was an excellent lesson. Um, we uh, appreciate the God in you and, and him using you in such an awesome way. And we thank God for the word on tonight. We thank God for the lesson. And if all hearts and minds are clear, we're going to go ahead and be dismissed. I do want to say tomorrow morning, we are still continuing with our series on the uh, David's Men of Valor, and the theme is We War, and we have on tomorrow morning uh, Prophet Timothy Dick Dixon the third. He'll be mm. um, praying. <laughs> Help us, Jesus. Mm. <laughs> He'll be praying. What's mm. You don't want to miss that. That's all I know. <laughs> He gonna be, he's going to be on tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. I know, right? So we're excited. I believe that God is really going to move. He, he moved even on Tuesday with uh, Elder Burke. It was awesome. A good old friend from New Jersey, he was on on Tuesday. So tomorrow we're going to have Prophet Timothy Dixon III. He's going to be on tomorrow at 6 a.m. And we invite you to join us at our 6 a.m. Early Seekers Prayer Call. And if all any other announcements, anything else one you want to say? If not, we're going to be dismissed. Um, um, Pastor Marquisa, would you mind dismissing us tonight? <laughs> she wants to get that. Uh, sure, <clears throat> sure. <laughs> ah, get it. Oh Lord. All right. If all hearts and minds are clear. <clears throat> Most gracious and heavenly father, we just come before you, um, father, just to thank you and praise you, O oh God. We thank you, heavenly father, for um, just this opportunity to come, father God, and to hear about awesome examples of leadership, O oh God. We just thank you, father God, for using uh, prophetess Patrice, O oh God, and giving her wisdom and insight and, and nuggets that um, just pop off of your word and off of your pages, O oh God. So we just thank you, father God, for the revelation that you you show her to share with us, oh God. So we we thank you, Father God, for her gift. We thank you, Father God, for all that she has been imparting over these several weeks, oh God. So we just thank you, Father God, that um, that she um, said yes and that she is available, Father God, to do your will and do and to do your um, do your work, oh God. And Lord, I just thank you, Heavenly Father, for uh, for this ministry, Father God, for Victory Christian Living Center. And Lord, that you um, that you that you are using them in the way that 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 you have, oh God, by you know just just sharing your word and bringing people in to share, Lord God. And Lord, I ask right now that you would just continue to use this ministry mightily, Father God. Lord, I I just thank you, Father God, for just lifting up Moses on tonight, Lord God, and mm -hmm. um, even just stretching us in our own thinking, and 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 also just showing that you know we're not in this thing alone, Lord God, and what we're experiencing is not new, and we can learn from his examples, Lord God, of leadership and lead and his 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 way of uh, being obedient, Lord God. So we just thank you, Father God, for all that has been said and that has been done on tonight, 
And we thank you and give you all the praise, glory, and honor that you so awesomely deserve. In Jesus' name that I do pray. Amen. 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 Amen, Pastor Marquisa. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Y'all just be chuckling. This is, you know. That's what they, that's, that's that's how they do. Well, you know how I do you. They do me the same way. So I guess I I guess I'm just getting it back because I've been doing You're that. You're paying for it. <laughs> well, it's something like that. I don't know, but they they get me the way I used to get you. So mm-hmm. <sighs> guess I'm getting it back. That's all I can say. That's all right. I love I love I love you guys though. You're you're, you're the realist. <laughs> yes, the real. Awesome. Awesomeness, awesomeness. Well, I thank you all again. Next week will be Joshua. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, that's going to be wonderful. Oh, 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 oh. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on tonight. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired. If you desire to be a blessing to the ministry, you may do so by sending a love gift to www.paypal.me forward slash VLCC or through our cash app, which is the dollar sign VLCC Life. We also invite you to stop by our website by clicking on the link. May God bless you and may your day always be victorious.